Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Hey, welcome today. We're so glad that you're here at uh, Generations Church on this Sunday morning. This is the fall break edition. Uh, we got a bunch of folks. This may be the highest attendance we've ever had at our online campus. We've got folks tuning in from Disney and a Disney cruise and the beach. And uh, I was just scrolling through Facebook this morning and just, you know, I'll say I was praying for y'all, but I wasn't really praying for y'all. But uh, but uh, no, I, I'm thankful for all those that are watching online today. Thankful for those that are in the room, you know, school break, holiday weekends. I love them as a parent and hate them as a pastor. Is that okay to say out loud? Um, but I, I, I am thankful for you that are in the room this morning. There's so many great things that are coming up. I want to hit a few of those, and then we're going to do something really special right here in just a second. But over the next few weeks, we've got some really great Sundays. And so next Sunday, we're going to have Missions Sunday, where we're going to look at some stories from our missions partners locally and globally. We're going to just tell you how effective you have been uh, in partnering with some people around the world. And that's going to be a really, really special Sunday. You don't want to miss that. And then the following Sunday, October 1st, it's crazy that the following Sunday after that is October, but on October the 1st, we're going to have our annual Vision Sunday. Now you say, well, mission, vision, what is that? Well, there's a difference for us. When we talk about missions, we're talking about our legacy maker efforts. And October 1st on Vision Sunday, we're going to actually look at our church as a whole, kind of the, the, the impact of what God has done over these last several months, 6, 8, 10, 12 months. But then also we're going to look at what is ahead. I'm going to share some things that are in our hearts, my heart, uh, with you about the future and the next few months that we're trusting God and believing God for. But we're going to celebrate together and we're going to pray together and ask God to really continue to lead and guide us over these next few months. So I hope you'll be here for that. And then the following Sunday to that, beginning on October the 8th, is our annual At The Movies series for three weeks, the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd. This is a highlight of the year for us, of our ministry calendar, and it is an easy invite series. So if you've got a friend or a family member, a coworker that you've been wanting to invite to church at the movies, it's a really great opportunity for you to do that. Uh, a lot of times we see our highest number of guests all year long during that series as people come, and we utilize some really great stories, and all of this year's stories will be ones that I think you'll be familiar with uh, to tell the greatest story ever told, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll make plans now and be praying about who you would invite to be with you for At The Movies beginning on October the 8th. But I told you that next Sunday is Mission Sunday, and that's going to be the end of a really special week this coming week. Tomorrow morning uh, at 10.30, we've got a group of 16 people flying out to Guatemala to go and serve during this week, uh, week-long break for many of them. They're taking a week of vacation or they got a week off of school or whatever to go and serve at Casa Shalom. Uh, the orphanage that we support there in Guatemala City. There's approximately 100 children in this orphanage, and there are uh, just an, there's an incredible team of, of leaders that serve them very, very well all year long. And we just want to come in for a week and support them and strengthen them and encourage them through your faithful giving and some, some fundraising this year. We've already sent funds down to buy every one of those children at the orphanage two pairs of shoes and we're just going to love on them for a week, and you may not be the ones going, but on your behalf, we're going to go and just serve them and love them really, really well for uh, this, this next week. But I'm going to ask anybody in the room that is going on the trip to come forward. I know there's a few right here on the front row. Come on down. We're going to pray over this team. We're going to do this in each service because there's, there's only about, I think, six or seven in this service. The rest of the team, the other eight or nine will be in the next service. But here's what I want you to do. I just had you sit down. I'm going to have you stand with me. 
if you would. And I'm going to ask those that are just kind of close right here, Lou and Marilyn, if you guys, just anybody that's right here around us, let's just lay hands on this team and let's pray together that God would just inc- just help this team to have incredible impact this week as they travel, traveling safety and fruitful ministry. Can we do that together? God, we thank you uh, for all that you're doing around the world. We thank you that, that the kingdom of God is bigger than just our little circle here in Canton. But God, I pray right now for this team that is going to Guatemala beginning tomorrow morning and all week long. God, I pray for safe travel to and from and all the time that they're on the ground. I pray, God, for fruitful ministry. I pray for the children that are there and the leaders that are there at the orphanage that our team would be able to go and to strengthen them, to encourage them, and just to help them to see all that they're doing and making a kingdom impact. And so, God, I just pray for this team. Let it be an incredible week uh, spent for kingdom purposes. I pray for their families that are back home that are going to miss them. But God, I pray that you'd strengthen them and fill in the gaps in the places that they need help here while this team is gone. But God, we just pray that this week would be an incredible representation of Generations Church on the go and what you're doing around the world. Thank you for allowing us this week just to see a small part of that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. You can be seated. Let's give them a hand. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm excited today because we are completing a little short two-week series that we started last week on prayer. I told you uh, that a few months ago, I, I, again, I said burdened might be too strong a word because that might imply something negative, but challenged, convicted, really began to, to think about prayer in a little more concentrated, focused effort. Prayer is something that we think about regularly. We offer prayer every time we gather. We we meet together on the first Saturday of every month here, and I invite you to come and to be a part of our first Saturday prayer. It's here in the room at 8 a.m., the first Saturday of every month, all year long. Uh, we have our 21 days of prayer every January where we meet together in the mornings, Monday through Friday. Uh, we come together on Saturday for a time of prayer and celebration. And, uh, and so we offer prayer on a really regular basis. We pray in our team huddles. We pray in our meetings. We pray in our group settings. Uh, But I've really been challenged by the Lord to make sure that prayer is not an add-on to what we do, but it's it's actually kind of the the thing that undergirds everything we do as a church and as a ministry. So over the last few months, again, I've been reading and praying and meeting with people to determine how can we continue to elevate prayer into the life of our church. And I think that a part of that really starts with us as individual followers, followers of Jesus Christ making sure that prayer is a central part of our lives. Before we can try to make it a central part of our church, we need to make sure that it's a central part of each of our lives. And so we started last week just looking at what happens when prayer happens. Like, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? What do we say? What do we do? Uh, What are we trying to do? What what, what do we do when we don't know what to do? And so we talked a lot about that last week, that, that it matters that you pray, it matters when you pray, where you pray, and what you pray. And what we said when we went to the Lord's Prayer there in the book of Matthew, uh, which we're going to come back to a little bit today, but but that there is an assumption that you would pray. It's not that Jesus was saying, hey, you need to pray, or that he was saying, if you pray, but he said, when you pray. And as he taught us how to pray, he started with the assumption that you would be praying, that you wanted to pray, but maybe you just needed to be taught how to pray. And so that's where we started last week. And what we did is we defined prayer this way. We said that prayer is a conversation with God. Now, maybe that seems very simplistic, and there's a lot of ways that you can take it, but prayer is the natural communicating with the supernatural. 
It's humanity communicating with some deity out there somewhere. In the Christian faith, we believe that we are talking to God. And so when we're talking about prayer, we are saying that prayer is us connecting beyond ourselves. We're connecting to the Heavenly Father. And so prayer is a really important thing. But it's not just this simplistic, now I lay me down to sleep. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. We said that last week. It's not that it's prayer is just, Lord, bless this food. Nothing wrong with that prayer. You should pray those kinds of things as well. But we also believe that like prayer is something powerful, right? Prayer is effective. Prayer is actually effective at helping God get things done. And what I mean is that God ultimately has invited us into a conversation. He's invited us into being a part of what he's accomplishing in the earth. And so prayer is this effective thing at helping God get some things done. If you got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to the book of James, the book of James. We're actually going to look at a number of different scriptures today, so I encourage you to kind of buckle your seatbelt and hang on, but maybe you want to take some notes today, jot them in the margin of your Bible, put them in the notes app on your phone or your iPad, because for me, this, this is a subject that I think you're going to come back to on a regular basis, how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, what happens when we pray. We're going to read here in James chapter 5. James was the half-brother of Jesus. This is often the New Testament version of kind of Proverbs, that these short one-line, one-verse, two-verse truths and power, powerful statements, they mimic a lot of what we see in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And so James writes to us to encourage us, encourage these followers of Jesus Christ on how we should live and how we should live in relationship with God. So this is what he says, beginning in verse 13 of James chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. That sounds a lot like what we've been doing today. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I've got that underlined in my Bible. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I've got that underlined too. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've got that underlined. I got brackets around that. I'm just kind of telling you what's in my Bible. You do what you want to, but the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Prayer is a powerfully effective way for us to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. And he invites us to be a part of that work. Now, we don't know more than God. We aren't as powerful as God, but we can know the power of God through prayer. I'm going to say that again. We don't know more than God. We aren't as powerful as God, but we can know the power of God through prayer. And I think that's important for all of us. In Mark chapter 9, New Testament, one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter 9, there's a really great story. There's actually a couple of great stories that are happening at the same time. One of them is called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes his closest followers. They go up to the top of the mountain, and there he is literally transformed, transfigured. He, he changes his appearance. And, and then the, the Moses and Elijah, the prophets, they appear before them on the top of this mountain. And Peter, who I love so much because Peter tends to say the kinds of things 
that I would say. Peter says, hey, can we just build a couple of tents? Can we just kind of build some cabins up here and just live up here on this mountaintop spiritual experience where we see you in a different light? We're experiencing the fullness of your glory. Can we just stay here? And Jesus doesn't even really respond, but they eventually just kind of work their way back down the mountain because you can't just live on a spiritual high. You got to live in the day-to-day. You've got to live down at the bottom of the mountain and kind of walk this thing out, which is what's happening once they get down there. The whole time that they've been up the mountain, there's a father who brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples. And the disciples, being the representatives of Jesus in that moment, because Jesus is nowhere to be found, the disciples are trying to accomplish what this father wants them, wants him to wants them to accomplish, which is to kind of bring the spirit out of, the, of his son. And so they're trying their best. They're doing everything that they can, but they aren't seeing the fruit of what they're asking God to do. And so Jesus comes down the mountain. The father presents the boy. He says, hey, I brought this, I brought this need to your disciples. They couldn't do anything with it. And so, hey, we need you to do a miracle. And Jesus responds and casts the demon out of this young boy. And once the crowds have left, the disciples begin to ask Jesus, hey, I don't understand. How did you do that and we couldn't do that? Like, what was the difference? You said some of the same words we said. You did some of the same things we might have done. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 29. It won't be up on the screen. He said, this kind can come out only by prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. This kind can only come out by prayer. Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. And I think sometimes because we talk about prayer, sometimes because prayer is so readily available and no one is really scorned for praying, nor should they be, that sometimes we've minimized the importance of prayer, we've minimized or relegated the power of prayer. And my hope for you today is that when you leave this place, when you go to get back in your car and you're trying to determine what you go and eat for lunch, Mexican's a great option, there's several right at the bottom of the hill, But when you're trying to decide what you want for lunch today, that there is something on the inside of you that says, prayer is powerful and I've been invited into it. Like it's not just this little thing that we do, that prayer is powerful. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to look at what are those unseen parts of prayer? We talked last week about our part in prayer and I told you that if you have envisioned prayer as a conversation with God, maybe like a telephone call. Last week, what we talked about is what you're doing on your end of the call. You've picked up the phone and you're saying some things. And today, what I want to talk about is like what's happening on the other end of the call? What's happening in the unseen? What's happening in the heavenlies? And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at three specific things and they center around the individual components of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity, this word Trinity is found nowhere in your Bible. That word specifically is not found in Scripture, but we believe in the Trinity because we believe that the representation, the components, the parts, the individuals that are a part of the Trinity are very explicitly spelled out in Scripture. And we're talking about the Father, God the Father, God the Son in the person of Jesus, and we're talking about God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about three different facets of prayer related to the Trinity. Here's the first one. We pray directly to God. We pray directly to God. You and I have access to the Father. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we said it last week. I'm just going to read the first five or six words here. It says, our Father 
who is in heaven. When Jesus was teaching us to pray, he didn't give us a formula to go around the Father or to get to the Father through some other kind of facet or some other conduit. He says, when you pray, you can immediately call out to the Father. We believe that we have direct access to God. Jesus modeled praying to God the Father for us. While he was on the earth and his ministry was captured in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 165 different times that Jesus refers to God or the Father, which was his favorite name for God. He, he was having regular conversation. He was praying to God. He was referencing the Father. He was letting us know that we can and we should have a personal relationship and direct access to God the Father. Now, I know depending on how you might have been raised and depending on what your faith background is, that may sound like the most unnatural thing that you could imagine. And so I'm not trying to even position what you thought or what you were taught to be wrong. I'm just telling you that you don't have to do anything other than cry out, Abba, Father, and he hears you. That you have direct access to the Father. And so when we pray, we pray to God. We pray directly to God, and that's so important for us. Now, one of the pictures, one of kind of the word pictures that you might look to in Scripture to help us understand why that reality exists is on the day of Christ's crucifixion, that when Jesus was hanging there, the Son of God, he was hanging there on the cross. Once he gave up his life, once the blood had poured out of his body, his body was hanging there on the cross. It was in that moment you saw really some amazing kind of atmospheric things taking place, an earthquake, and there's a lot of things happening, shaking going on. But in that moment, the veil in the temple, that curtain that separated the, 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 the holy places from the most holy places, the holy of holy, which contained the very presence of God, that curtain was ripped in two. It was torn right down the middle so that there was no longer a need to create a separation from God's people and the very presence of God. Up to that point, and still throughout history today in other kind of avenues or trains of thought in faith and religion, there are still a need for some people to believe that you've got to go through somebody so, so that they can go and petition for you into the most holy places and into the presence of God. And this isn't even me dealing with that or preaching against that for a moment, just to remind us that once that, that curtain was torn, once the veil was ripped in two, that the presence of God was made available to every person who was seeking to be in his presence. That you and I have access to the Father. And so when we pray, we pray directly to God. That's really, really important because it takes all the kind of middlemen out of it. Have you ever tried to buy something and pretty quickly you realize, like, I'm not actually talking to somebody that can help me? Like, you ever just on the phone and you're, you're trying to get, like, customer service? I mean, I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-tech savvy. I mean, the older I get, the older my kids get, they look at me like I, you know, I grew up in the days of black and white, and so I don't really know what I'm talking about. My, my dad called me a couple years ago. I've told this story. My dad called me. He's like, hey, I can't get my printer to work. I'm like, well, that's a problem. Just go buy a new printer. I, I don't know what to tell you, but I tried to help do tech support. You know, I mean, he didn't want to call into that company because they would have charged him by the hour. So I just said, hey, just, you know, pad the birthday gift you send me. I don't know. I'll help you for a few minutes. So I helped him, but, but, but my kids were sitting beside me on the couch. And when we, when we hung up with, with Papa, with my dad, but their Papa, we hung up. I looked at him. I said, listen, like when I'm old and, and you're kind of my age, 
and my, you know, like floating flying car isn't working and I call you for tech support, just, just be gracious, you know, just help me a little bit. But you ever called into tech support and like pretty quickly you realize like, I know more than this guy. Like there's a few of us, there's only three or four. Okay. The rest of us, maybe you, you need a lot of tech support. I don't know. But when I call in, I just immediately ask for their supervisor. Because I feel like the first guy's just reading off a script. He doesn't even know what product I'm calling about. He's just working down the list. And if you've ever done customer service, this is not anything negative against you. But I just need the guy that trained the guy I'm talking to. Like, I just need that guy. Because, like, he's held it in his hand. He knows what I'm talking about. So sometimes we'll, we'll be talking, and I'll be like, listen, I've already tried the first 11 things you're going to tell me. Can I just talk to the guy that trained you? Or maybe the guy that trained him or the lady that trained that. Like, I just want to work because I want to get access to the guy that can solve the problem. That's what prayer is for you and me. We have access to the Father. You don't have to go through anybody else, be rerouted and reimagined to something. Like, none of that has to happen. You just cry out, Abba, Father, and you are talking to the God of miracles. You are talking to the God who answers prayers. You are talking to the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139. Like you and I have direct access to God. Here's the second thing. Not only do we pray directly to God, we can pray in the spirit. We can pray in the spirit. Now, again, I recognize we've got people here from a lot of different faiths and church backgrounds, and perhaps you're very comfortable talking about the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Others of you, maybe not so much. But in our church, we believe in the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, even today. It's not something that stopped. It's not something that ceased. We believe that when Jesus was leaving the earth, just before he did, he was talking to his followers and he said something unimaginable to them. He said, it's actually better that I leave so that the Spirit can come, that you would have the helper you would have this, this, this advocate that would come and, and live on the inside of you, not just for Jesus to be standing beside you, that the Spirit of God would be living on the inside of you. And he said, this is powerful, and you need to recognize the gift that's coming to you. And so we recognize that once you receive Christ, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. You have direct access to God through the spirit that he placed on the inside of you. James also says that God jealously desires the spirit he put in you. And so he connects. He's he's communicating spirit to spirit according to the book of James. And so this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 when we talk about prayer. It says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is a chapter of scripture where we see uh, the the, the, the armor of God being fleshed out. And so there's all the descriptions of all that we have access to, to be able to stand firm and withstand the the tools and tactics of the enemy. And right here in in verse 18 of chapter 6, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions that the spirit of God that's on the inside of you can communicate to the father that you and I have the work of God in our lives to help us connect to the work of God we're seeking and desiring for him to do. Jude chapter one, that's a a book in your Bible. I don't know if you know that. Jude chapter one, verse 20 says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. It's like, hey, while we're still living on the earth, 
While we're still waiting for this eternal life and to be in his presence forever, as we wait on his great mercy and we're trying to figure out how to demonstrate God's love, we do that by praying in the Holy Spirit and asking the Spirit of God to be at work in us and alive in us. And not only that, but if we recognize that it is the Spirit of God on the inside of us and not just some kind of random spiritual being that we are, it's like, no, no, this is the Spirit of God then we, we also kind of believe that, that we know, not through our own knowledge, our own, own power, but, but spiritually, supernaturally, we are connected to God, and so we can then seek the will of the Father as we pray. That's what Jesus demonstrated to us in the garden as he makes his request known, like, let this cup of suffering pass from me, but not my will. I submit what I want now to you. I've made it known what I desire But I come to this moment in prayer and I submit myself to you, acknowledging that you know what's best. And that's the way that praying in the spirit works. It's saying, I am petitioning God. I am making my request known, but I'm also trusting by the spirit of God that the spirit is helping me to communicate this in a way that represents my submission, that I have received this free gift of salvation. I am living by the spirit and not by flesh. That's what we're challenged to do throughout the New Testament when it talks about what does life look like for a follower of Jesus Christ, it says, hey, we die to our flesh. We get rid of our fleshly desires and we are controlled by and led by the Spirit of God. As we're led by the Spirit of God, we're led in prayer by the Spirit of God. And so I'll just be honest. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room. You ever prayed something in the flesh? Every time I pass that billboard, I got an amen back there. Every time I pass that billboard that tells me how big the lottery is, I'm like, oh Lord, should I buy a ticket? Okay, I mean, just... Lord, if it's your desire, I'll go buy it. I mean, I'm just praying in the flesh. I'm, I'm sure I would do good things with the money. I've, I've, I've not gone in there to buy a ticket, but I'm just praying, in, Lord, if that's your will, just, just redirect my car right into that gas station. And I'll, I'll, you know, sometimes I pray in the flesh when my team's playing. I don't know why you're laughing. We lost last night. So he didn't hear my prayers. Can I just be honest with you? Like, as I'm trying to be led by the Spirit and kill off the fleshly desires. Early in the second half, in the third quarter, I said to Corey, I'm cutting the game off. I'm going upstairs. She was like, why? The game's still going. I was like, I don't like the way this makes me feel. I feel like there's sinful things rising up in my heart right now. And I'm trying to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm turning this thing off. I don't trust the words that may come out of my mouth as I yell them at my television to 18 to 22-year-olds that can't hear me. So it's like sometimes I pray in the flesh, but like praying for your team to win, how dumb is that? Because there's just as many people on the other side of that game praying against you. It's like, which prayer does God answer, that my team wins or that your team? Well, last night he answered your prayer. I don't know if there was already sin in my life or what. No, sometimes we we just pray in the flesh. Now, here's what I believe. Hear my heart. I believe you can pray anything you want to pray. I believe if you want to pray anything, you can pray it. But if I'm going to pray in the Spirit, I'm saying to God, God, I'm, I'm trusting and believing that you hear my heart here and that I'm being led by the Spirit of God, that I am constantly attempting to put away my fleshly desires. So I'm not praying for a desire of my flesh, but God, I'm asking you to let this be a Spirit-led prayer. And God, would you answer this prayer? Would you show yourself faithful in the midst of my circumstances. You can pray anything you want, but if we are praying in the Spirit, we are asking God to hear our Spirit-led prayers. But what about when you don't know what to pray? You ever been there? I've been there. 
I've been there. When there, you, you want to pray, you need to pray, but you don't know what to pray. It's overwhelming. You've prayed all the words you know. You, you've prayed as faithfully and as fervently as you can pray, and the circumstances haven't shifted that you see with your eyes, and you just don't know what to pray anymore. Be encouraged by these words from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There are times when we trust the Spirit of God to pray on our behalf because we just don't know. We just don't know what to pray. We've tried. We've poured out our heart. We're empty of everything we think we can do. Everything we know to pray, we've prayed. And we're just left to wail and groan and trust and believe and sob and weep and, and hope. And we believe that the Spirit fills in the gaps. That the Spirit of God steps into that place where we don't know. And he intercedes on our behalf. Things that may seem beyond our understanding. And this, this can look like, I mean, theologians have debated this now for hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years. This can look like a prayer language. It can look like speaking in tongues, absolutely. Some people definitely interpret that, but I think this is, this is different than that. As I read this, this is, this is the spirit groaning on our behalf. This is, this is just a I'm empty of myself. I don't know what to pray. I, I can't really find the words to communicate to a holy God that I trust completely, but I want to see these circumstances change, and I just don't know what to do anymore. We just believe that the Spirit steps in in that moment and begins speaking on our behalf. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I don't have to always have the right words. I'm thankful that I don't always have, the right wis- have to have the right wisdom and the right understanding, that I can just trust that as I empty myself of everything that I know and everything that I believe and everything that I hope, that the Spirit just comes right alongside me and completes that prayer in ways that honor, and compl- and honor God. And I'm so thankful for that. So we have direct access to God. We can pray in the Spirit. But finally... Jesus prays for us. Jesus prays for us. Last week we talked about the opening of the Lord's Prayer. Where Jesus said to us, Our Father in heaven. He was teaching us how to pray, but he was actually telling us that he was joining us in prayer. He didn't say, My Father, Your Father, The Father. He said, Our Father. There's community with Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus as we petition our Father for the things that we have need of, as we lift him up in worship and praise and adoration, thanksgiving, and make our petitions known. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 34 says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, he gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. There's 16 places in the New Testament where we are told that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 says that when God raised him from the dead, he placed him at his right hand and that there he intercedes for us. The right hand is a place of honor. It's a place of authority. So God was intentionally, specifically placing the son, the resurrected son at his right hand, a place of honor and authority so that he could do what? Not just sit there idle and wait. Not just kind of sit there and do nothing. No, Jesus has a responsibility as he sits there at the right hand of the Father to intercede on our behalf. He's praying for you. He's calling on the strength of his Father for you. And I love that he sits there. I love that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and I love that he's interceding. That's powerful. That's a powerful picture to me. That when I pray, I'm praying directly to the Father, but it's almost like Jesus is listening in. That the Spirit of God that's at work in my life is crying out to the Spirit of God for the things that I'm asking him to do. And maybe Jesus is listening in and saying, yep, I put my stamp on that prayer. I'm praying that too for Jeremy. I'm praying that too for that marriage. I'm praying that for their family. Yeah, I'm agreeing with that in prayer. I'm interceding on that prayer right there. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my stamp on it. That's a powerful picture to me to think that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But there's another really, really powerful story in the New Testament that I might love even more. It's found in the book of Acts in chapter 7. And so much of the story of Acts 7 is about this guy named Saul who would eventually become Paul and play a really important part in the story of the formation of the early church, his missionary journeys and all the letters he would eventually write. But the first part of Acts chapter 7 is actually the testimony and the gospel presentation of a guy named Stephen. Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would have been this kind of religious group of people. I'm not saying we're the Sanhedrin, but it would have been like somebody standing up before a religious group of people. And there's some religious leaders and there's some teachers of the law. And so he's standing up and, and they're going back and forth at first and at the end of Acts 6 and kind of the formation there of how they're reorganizing the church. And, and now Stephen's in trouble. And so he, he gets the opportunity to kind of make his claim here. Hey, hey this, is, this is what the gospel is. And he begins to walk through the story of the gospel and the good news. And he talks about some of the, the older saints and he tells them, hey, this is, this is what got us to this moment in history. And he comes to the end of this and they're already kind of rising up against him. He comes to the end of his testimony. And he says to these religious leaders, kind of in verses like 51, 52, and 53, he says to them, like, you have persecuted every prophet that God's ever provided for you, and now you've killed his son. He's kind of pointing his finger. I don't know if he did it literally, but figuratively in my mind, he's kind of pointing his finger. He's saying, you've persecuted every prophet God has given to you, and now you've killed his son. And they're ready to stone him. They're ready to kill him. And this is what it says in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He wasn't sitting at the right hand of God. He stood up 
He stood up. And there are some of us as we pray, we need that picture of Jesus, the Son of God, sitting next to his Father, making intercession. We need to know that we have direct access to God and we can pray straight to our Father who is in heaven. We need to know that the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us is connected to the Spirit of God as we pray. And so even when we don't know what to pray, he prays on our behalf. But I think for some of us, we came today and we're trying to figure out what to pray, but we don't need sitting down Jesus interceding for us. We need a Jesus who stands up and sees what we're going through. We need a Jesus who stands up at the right hand of the Father and full of the Holy Spirit, we recognize the power that is at work in the heavenlies as we pray to a God that we know is more than enough. We know he's more than able. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. Prayer isn't just something we do before we lay down at night. Prayer isn't just something we do before we eat a meal at a table. Prayer isn't just something we do when we step out of our seats and come down so somebody else can pray for us. All of those things are good. But prayer is something we do as we petition the heavens for something that is beyond ourselves. We say, God, my marriage is broken, but you can resurrect dead things back to life. My sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters have walked away from the faith. But God, you bring prodigals back home. God, I don't have enough provision in my life. I have a lack, not from lack of work, not from lack of will. I just don't have enough resource to provide for my family. But you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And God, would you just stand up and see what I'm going through? Prayer is this powerful, powerful opportunity where we get to join forces with the Father to see his work demonstrated in our lives. And so today, what I would say to you is if you have a need, if you have something that you're trusting and believing God for, or maybe you haven't even crossed that line yet and you don't know how to get to that place, but you say, I don't know what else to do. When you stand up, he stands up. When you cry out, he hears you. When you empty yourself, he will fill you again. He is a God who is more than able. And so here's how I want to end our time today. A little different than we have most weeks. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head yet. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes yet. If you have a need that you are trusting God for, I just want you to stand up right where you're at. I just want you to stand up. Just stand up. We'll wait. There's probably more than the people already stand. We're just going to trust and believe for just a moment. Just stand up. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but just look around. Just kind of look for just a second. Just look. Can I tell you what you don't see? is the God who stands with you. The God who stands with you. You don't stand by yourself because you're standing in a room of people. And even if you don't know all these people, I know most of them, they love you. Even if they don't love you, I love you. But you don't stand by yourself. Because full of the Holy Spirit, we can look into the heavens and we can see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you pleading the blood, his own blood, for you, for your healing, for your salvation, for your redemption, 
for restoration, for provision. God is enough. He's enough. Now, when I pray for you, I don't want to be the only one praying. I want you to pray. I want you to tell God what you need him to do. I want you to petition the heavens. And you just say, God, I'm, I'm asking for these things. And be bold in your claim. Let's pray together. God, we love you right now. We thank you that in this room, as we stand, we believe we are not standing by ourselves. And so, God, we thank you that we have direct access to you, God the Father. We thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us helps to fill in the gaps as we pray by the Spirit, in the Spirit, and not of the flesh, that, God, you hear us and you respond to us. So, God, we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, God, we thank you that Jesus Christ makes intercession for us that he prays for us. And so God, right now, I pray for physical healing for those who need it in this room. I pray, God, for emotional, mental, psychological healing for those who feel oppressed and they feel weighted down by the things that are going on in this earth. God, I pray for relationships that are broken right now, that there's hurt that needs healing and needs forgiveness. God, would you do what only you can do in marriages and in homes and in sons and daughters and moms and dads? God, would you do what only you can do God, I pray right now for job situations. I pray that you would open doors for new jobs. I pray that you would close doors for the distractions of jobs that keep us from being settled where we're at. I pray for favor on our jobs. I pray for the promotions that we seek if they honor and glorify. God, I just pray for job-related situations right now, your wisdom in those moments. And God, we pray for your provision that you would help to fill in the gaps where there may be lack in our lives and hundreds of other things that may be present in the needs of the people in this room. I pray right now for those who are not in a relationship with you that they would trust you for salvation. They would trust and believe that you can forgive sins and you can be their Lord. And God, I pray a special prayer right now. It's personal to me and I know there are other needs just like this that are personal. I pray for family members and friends who are sick And we don't know what to do. And doctors may not have the answers. But God, you are our healer. And so God, we pray right now for physical healing. I pray you'd reach into hospital rooms. And I pray you'd you'd fill your presence into places of hospice care. I pray, God, that in their homes, in their bedrooms, that God, there would be a group of people, friends and family, who would know we're praying for them right now. So God, we believe that you are able. We trust you. We believe We love you. And God, we thank you that your son Jesus stands up to see our circumstances. We put our hope and our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.